Well, good morning, everybody. It's, uh, man, it's always just great being here. And as always, I'd love to welcome our, our Boynton campus and everyone watching at Church at Home. It is just so neat. I had to meet someone else uh, yesterday, actually, that watches at Church at Home. And it's amazing, the community. We love you guys. Um, and it's just great being one church, right, in so many locations, reaching so many uh, people. And I just hope this series that we've been doing, Wrestling with God, has really been able to help some of you walk through some of those tension moments uh, that you have with the Lord. Because one of the focuses of this series has been this, is that in this world, in this life, that you and I are destined to have disagreements with God. We're destined to have seasons of our life where what we're walking through doesn't seem to fall in line with the character of God, of a God that loves us and cares for us and, and has, is all powerful. And, and there's just going to be moments in our lives where the prayers don't get answered or something bad happens to someone good. Or as we're walking through this life or maybe reading the scriptures and we, we don't agree with this verse and doesn't sit right with us. And we don't, we don't know why God, why would you say that? We don't even want to do what you want us to do. There's just going to be moments of our lives where all human beings are going to be at conflict. We're going to battle with what God wants us to do, or we're going to battle with understanding some of the things that God is doing or not doing in our lives. In fact, um, the Bible tells us this, that God's ways are not our ways, and that His thoughts are not our thoughts. And as high as the heavens are from the earth, that's how much higher God's ways are than our ways and His thoughts than our thoughts. In other words, what God is saying to us is, hey guys, I'm going to have different values. I'm going to do life different than your feelings are going to tell you to do. You're, I'm going to have different understanding that you're going to have, but the differences are not just little or slight. They are as high as the heavens are from the earth. In other words, what God is saying is that you and I are going to have seasons of conflict because I'm not you and you're not me. And what we have been dealing with in this series is not just, oh, we have conflict. It's how do we wrestle with God the right way? When we find ourselves in conflict with God, how do we address it? How do we deal with it? Because having conflict with God is not the problem. It's how we respond to that conflict with God. In fact, we looked at some incredible people in the scriptures that God used in mighty ways. And we kind of looked at their own personal struggles with God. That John the Baptist, whom by the way, Jesus says was the greatest man that ever lived. There was a moment in his life as he was in prison and Jesus was doing all these miracles and leaving his cousin John in prison where he sends a messenger to Jesus beginning to question him. Hey, Jesus, are, are you really the Messiah or, or should we expect someone else? Because what John was ultimately saying was, Jesus, the circumstances of my life do not seem to go in line with the character of who I expected God to be. And I'm just wondering, are you really who I thought you really were? And so one of the greatest men that ever lived wrestled with God. We looked at the apostle Peter and how Jesus made a statement about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, talking about what we would take communion, but they didn't understand that. And at that moment, all these people began to stop following Jesus. He became unpopular and Jesus looked at the disciples and he knew they wanted to leave like everyone else because it was no longer uncomfortable. They couldn't understand why Jesus would mess everything up. Things were going so well. And G Peter looks to Jesus and goes, well, where should we go? Like you hold the words of eternal life. Like, I, I don't want to keep following you, but I, don't, I've, I know who you are. I've seen everything you've done. There's nowhere else I can go. 
And then we looked last week at Jesus, and we looked at his own struggle in the Garden of, e, uh, Garden of Gethsemane, where he began to go, God, is there any other way to do this? Because it's not my will, but God, I'll do what your will is even over my will. Or we get on the cross, where he goes, God, why have you forsaken me? And what I'm saying is, is that all of these people, even the Son of God, had moments of their life where their will was in conflict with God's will, and their understanding was in conflict or didn't understand what God was actually doing. And yet all of these men fulfill what God's calling was in their life and their battles didn't derail their purpose because they learned how to battle with God. And so one of the things that we kind of looked at at the end of it all was, is one of the things that we learned from these battles is this, is that sometimes what we need to do is what I know about God is enough. In other words, what I know about God is enough to help me accept what I don't understand and obey when I don't agree. Jesus like, hey, Father, not my will, but your will, because I know who you are, Dad. I know your wisdom. I know who you are and your character. What does Peter say? Hey, listen, I, I know, I know who you are. I've seen you walk on water. I've seen your grace. I've seen your integrity. I've seen you speak to nature and obey you. See, I know who you are. So even though I don't understand or even though I don't agree, I'm going to choose to keep following you or wrestling with you, and I'm never going to walk away from you. And so we looked at this over these few weeks, and I encourage you to go back if you missed it, because I think it's so important to train. So those of you right now in high school and middle school in our student section over here, you're going to have moments where God's not going to make sense, and you've got to learn how to deal with those seasons and those moments and how you battle with God. Now, today what I want to do is um, I want to look at wrestling with God, kind of wrap up the series, but I want to look at it from another perspective. And what I want to talk about today is not when we choose to battle with God. It's not when we disagree or we're upset or we're angry. I want to actually take a look at a story in the Bible, listen to this, where God picks a fight with a person. Like we're going to look at, listen to this, we're going to look at it in the story, is how do you deal with when God actually picks a fight with you? Do you know the scriptures tell us that God will actually from time to time pick a fight with his own children? And what we are going to talk about today is so important because you're going to experience these seasons in your life. And what we're going to look at in this today is this, is we're going to look at why he would do it. Like why would the God who died for you choose to fight you? And the second thing we're going to look at is that when he does choose to fight you, and he will, by the way, how do we respond to this? How do we respond when God picks a fight with us? And so we're going to look at a story of, of this incredible story of a man named Jacob in the Bible. Because this is a story where God actually chooses to do hand-to-hand -hand combat with a man named Jacob. Now, in order to understand this, I want to give you a little bit of backstory because I want us to understand the context of why God fought him. I want us to understand that everything wasn't just normal in life and God's like, I've got nothing to do. I just want to pick a fight. I'm gonna try Jacob, see if I can take him. How long? Try some new moves on him, right? No, I want us to understand the context because when you understand what's going on in his life or until you understand, you won't understand the purpose of why God chose to fight with him. And by the way, why oftentimes God will actually pick a fight with you and me. So understand Jacob's story. Um, Jacob was born as a twin, and he was the younger brother of his twin brother Esau. And so as he was being born, something amazing was happening. He was actually reaching out and kind of grabbing onto his brother's heel. 
And so his father decided to give him his name. Now remember, in the Jewish world, your name was connected to your identity. It's how you saw yourself, how others saw you. And so his father made the decision to go, I'm going to name him Jacob, which literally means heel grabber or supplanter. Someone that's trying to take advantage of someone else is what it meant and would pull the other person down to elevate themselves. Now, I want you to see this. So his father actually gave him a name and identity with a negative connotation. By the way, never underestimate the value of the words you speak to your children. And so we continue. And so Jacob is there, and he literally has the identity of this heel grabber, this supplanter, someone that manipulate others to get ahead. Not only that, his father rejected him. You see, his older brother, the Bible says, um, was a hunter and he was hairy. So it's kind of great. Hey, what, what is Esau like? Well, he's hairy and he hunts, okay? <laughs> but, but what that meant was he was kind of a man's man, right? He, he, he was kind of the guy where the dad looked going, man, this guy, then he can win a He'd be playing linebacker in the NFL. He would be hunting, drinking black coffee. He'd be, that's the guy his brother was. Well, Jacob wasn't so much. In fact, the Bible tells us he's kind of a mama's boy. Like, he's the guy sipping lattes with a man bun and skinny jeans. Watching the cooking channel. Sorry if I've offended two of you, but... Just saying. So, so Jacob's father, listen to this. Jacob's father began to value his older brother over to the younger. And he began to look to him and go, oh, yeah, that's my eldest son. Wow, he's amazing. My youngest son, well, not so much. He'll just be with mom. And so not only, listen to this, not only did he experience rejection, he also experienced this identity. And here's what you discover, and I want you to hear this, especially fathers, is that Jacob began to live up to the identity his father spoke into his life. He became every single thing his dad actually would speak into his own life by giving him the identity of Jacob. And he began to manipulate everyone around him just like his father said he would. And I just want you to hear this, because listen, never underestimate the power of your words. They speak life and they can speak death. What you say, or by the way, the dads that don't like to share it, what you don't say, they have a powerful impact. And so what happened is, as Jacob's father spoke this into his life, he lived up to it. And so one day his brother was coming in from hunting and he was almost at the point of death. He was so weak. And he goes, hey, brother, Jacob, will you give me some of your stew that you were cooking? And Jacob did exactly what his father said he would do. He manipulated his brother to get ahead. And he goes, I will not give you this stew unless you sell me or give me your birthright, which by the way, it meant that he would take all or most of, if you will, his older brother's wealth because they would get the, the largest proportion of wealth. And, and, and his brother, Esau's like, what good is my inheritance if I'm dead? And so he trades his birthright and creates this seed of dysfunction inside of his own family. To make matters worse, at his father's deathbed, he wanted to get his older brother's blessing. Remember, he's the heel grabber. He's the manipulator. And so he pretended to be his brother and put on his brother's clothes. His father couldn't see. He put some like fur on his arm because he wasn't hairy. So his dad, when he grabbed his arm and he stole his older brother's um, pater if you, paternal blessing, which by the way, in the scriptures had incredible power. And when his brother found out about this, he was furious and wanted to kill his brother. And here's what I want us to see. Jacob's dysfunction had created a pattern of dysfunction in everything that he was and did. 
He would destroy his own family. He would mess up everything in his life to his own family. His father felt betrayed. His brother wanted to kill him. And so what he did is he does what so many people do when they're broken on the inside and this internal brokenness is causing these external problems is he ran off and goes, okay, fine. I'm gonna try another business. I'm gonna try another family. I'm gonna try another relationship. But the problem is, is that wherever Jacob went, he brought his character. He bought his identity. He brought his brokenness. And what you discover is even though he went to a new job and a new family in a new land, his own relationships and how he treated people went with him. And here's what you discover. He created the same problem in the next family and the next business they did in the previous one. And his identity spoken by his father, he lived. And he began to take advantage of the people he did business with and his own father-in-law. But here's what you discover. And then his father-in-law began to treat him just like Jacob treated him. And what you discover is that he created a culture of dysfunction around him. And I want you to see this. And then other people begin to treat him the same way he treated other people. By the way, do you know this is biblical? I know people call it karma. It's not karma. Listen to what Jesus says. I want you to see this because this is powerful. People that don't deal with issues and you bring your issues wherever you go, wherever you, you know, wherever you walk through, understand this. For, this is Jesus speaking, okay? For in the same way you judge others, how you treat them, that word judge means crino, how you're critical or how you point out their negatives or whatever it might be, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use to others, what? It will be measured back to you. What is Jesus saying? How you treat people is gonna come back to you. And what you discover is this spiritual principle begin to happen and you seem to attract, by the way, it's amazing how people seem to attract people just like them because you attract who you are, not who you want. And so Jacob surrounded himself with people like him and they begin to lie to him and they begin to cheat him. And then once again, Jacob finds himself in this situation where he has alienated his own father-in-law and his family and his brother-in-laws and all of his business dealings have been a little bit shady and people have taken advantage of him and he begins to be fearful for his life. And I want you to see something is that Jacob's internal dysfunction, this identity spoken to him by his father that he lived up, began to walk with him, by the way, everywhere that he went. And he's destroyed his past and his brother wants to kill him and his father's ashamed of him. And then he, he's destroyed his present and all of his business dealings and other family. He's kind of messed with them. And I want you to see this. It's in the midst of this dysfunction that God steps in and goes, okay, you and me, we're gonna go to war. You and me, we're about to have a fight. And so on his way to return to his brother, and the reason why he was doing it, he had nowhere else to go. He wasn't in repentance. He wasn't trying to make it right. He's like, I got nowhere else to go, so maybe I can bribe my brother to not kill me. It's the only place left that I can go. And on this journey, we see God pick a fight with Jacob. We pick it up in the book of Genesis, chapter 32. After Jacob had sent them, that's his whole family, across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. And what the Bible tells us here is he's going, hey, what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna send my family, my kids, my servants, all these livestock, and we're gonna send them in a bunch of different waves. And my hope is that my brother's anger uh, will kind of be maybe taken out on them, not me. It's a great character guy, right? And he said, so he'll get mad at them. And then maybe after like the third or fourth wave of all of the wealth, because he was very wealthy, that I'm going to bribe my brother not to kill me. And maybe I can go back to my homeland and actually start this new life over once again. So Jacob was left alone. Here's what I want you to see. And then a man, now we know it's not a man, because the Bible oftentimes angels would, would, would appear as human beings. We actually are told it's the angel of the Lord later on in this verse. And then the angel of the Lord 
wrestled with him till daybreak. So here's what I want you to see. Jacob is walking in dysfunction. And his dysfunction is breeding dysfunction everywhere he goes and everything he does. He's shipwrecking his life and he's on this path to go, hey, I'm not going to change, but I'm going to try the third location, the third opportunity to try to get my life, if you will, better and go through things. And I want you to see this. It's in this context that God walked in and went Will Smith on him. <laughs> Maybe it's too soon. I'm sorry, but. Now here's how I want you to see this. Listen to this. This first thing I want you to understand about God. I'm sorry, it's probably the wrong thing to say. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Is that God stepped into Jacob's life because it was headed in the wrong direction. Like, like when God picked the fight, what's the context? The context is, is that Jacob was continuing to do things that was shipwrecking everything he did and everything he touched and everything's falling apart around him. And it's in that context where God steps in and goes, no more, you and I, we're gonna fight about this. Like we're gonna go to war and we're gonna battle and we're gonna address what is inside of you that is wrecking your life. The Bible says this, that faithful are the wounds of friends. In other words, that when someone loves you so much, they see you going down the wrong path, they step in and go, hey, we're gonna have an un comfortable conversation, even if it costs us our relationship. Why? Because I love you so much that I'll risk my relationship with you to help you. And so God steps in. I want you to see this. And Jacob is in this pattern since birth. This is who he is. And God's like, it's enough. And he steps in and he begins to battle with him. He begins to fight with him. Could you imagine like wrestling with an angel of God? Now here's, here's what I want you to see. Look at, look at the next part. I want to see. Look at verse 25. So when the man, remember it's the angel of the Lord. Some scholars actually believe it was Jesus or even God, the Father. Um, when, when the man or God saw that he could not overpower him. Now once again, God is not struggling overpowering Jacob, okay? You can watch that angels are mighty beings that can wipe out entire armies. This isn't that he couldn't overpower. What it's saying is that Jacob wouldn't give up. And this is a powerful lesson, by the way, is that when God began to discipline him and step in and fight with him, Jacob had the tenacity to go, I will not give up. I'm not gonna tap out. I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna stay fighting with you, God. Notice this. So he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. I want you to see. So God, what? He God injures him. God creates a great move. We got some fighters here at the church. You can learn. I don't know how to, you know, take a hip socket out, but it's got to be pretty effective. Here we continue, right? <laughs> then the man said, I want you to see this. Listen to this. Then the man said, let me go. God says, okay, let me go. For, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I want you to see this. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now here's something I want you to see. See, there's two ways to look at this. One is, well, this is exactly who I thought God was. God's an angry God. God's mad. And because I did this in my past and I did all that, here's what he's done. He's met me on this path to try to get this new life and now God is punishing me for everything that he's did and he's smiting me and he's angry. He's injured me and now I gotta walk with a limp and, and it's like, yeah, this is exactly why I stay away from God. See, God is angry and he's judgmental and he just wants to hurt me for what I have done. And can I tell you something? Many people can read stories like this or look at and that's exactly how they perceive the character of God to be. But here's what I want you to see. That's not how Jacob perceives it. And this is so important. I want you to see this why. Because I'm telling you right now, you're gonna learn a little bit. But God will step into your life. He's gonna do it. 
When we drift, God will discipline, and you're gonna see that in a moment. And I want us to see this because it's so important how we respond, how we perceive the motive of God has everything to do how we respond to his discipline. And I want you to see what Jacob notices about it. What does Jacob see? Does he say this? But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you, like, don't hurt me. Does he cry out to God? Hey, God, listen, I'm so terrified. You're just destroying me. Please, God, I won't let you go as you promised never to hurt me again. What does Jacob understand about the motive and the purpose of the battle and the fight that God picked with him? What is it? Bless me. If God's character was anger and smite and wanting to destroy, would he be asking for a blessing or wouldn't he be asking for protection? Listen, I want you to see this because this is so important. We need to understand the purpose of God. You're gonna see this. The purpose for the battle was not to punish, not to hurt, not to destroy Jacob. It was actually to transform him, to bless him, to rescue him, to change the direction of his life. In fact, I love what this other scripture says about the wrestling match in Hosea. It says, in the wound, this is Jacob, he grasped for his brother's heel. As a man, he struggled with God. Once again, not a man, but God. He struggled with an angel and overcame him. He wept and he begged for what? His favor. You see, the entire time, Jacob is understanding the context of God's battle is because God loves him. And he's walking in and going, I'm not going to let you continue to walk down the path and keep destroying your life. So if I'm going to have to step in and inflict pain in your life to redirect your life, I'm going to do it because I love you. And because going to the next land is not going to solve your problem. Starting the next business is not going to start. Having another family is not going to solve your problem. Because ultimately the problem isn't there. It's in here. And so God steps in and he begins to battle and wrestle, not out of anger, not out of rage. But because he wants, and he understood, I want, I want to bless Jacob. I want to help Jacob, and he understood, and he cried out. What is he saying? God, I need your favor. God, I need your blessing. Just for the record, he wasn't asking for money. In fact, when you read the story, Jacob was really, really rich. He had so much money and so many things that people around him were like, man, everything you touched turned to gold in the business realm. He was really rich on the outside, but inside, he was as poor as it could be. And the inside, he kept, got tired of every mirror he looked into, not liking who he saw. On the inside, he didn't like the reputation that his name brought. And the inside, he didn't like how it is that he experienced relationships with people. And he's broken, and he's drowning, and he's going through this pattern of dysfunction, creating this pattern of dysfunction. And he cries out to God in this battle, will you just help me? Will you bless me? I need your favor. You're the only one that can change me. And here's what I want you to see. For those of you that question the motive of God's discipline, I want you to see what God does because it's kind of powerful. Here's, here's how God's response, right? So he says, God blessed me. And then the man asked him, what is your name? So God says, hey, Jacob, what is your name? And Jacob answered, Jacob. <laughs> there you go. Self-explanatory there. It's a little redundant. Then the man said, or God said, your name will no longer be Jacob. I'm going to change the identity your father gave you. But Israel because you have struggled with God and the humans, and yet you have overcome or you've not given up. Now, for some of us, we just go, well, that just seems a little anticlimactic. <laughs> like, could you imagine for a moment, like God sending an angel or God himself going, I'm gonna fight with you, and you're like battling all night long, and you got this injured hip, and you're worn out, and you're tired, and at the end of it, you're crying out, bless me, bless me, give me your favor, I need help, I need help. And God's like, okay, 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 Scott, okay, okay, okay. Um, I'm gonna change your name to Bob. 
Isn't there part of you going, God, could you just like, maybe a, some stock tips? <laughs> House on the beach, Tesla Roadster maybe. I got a, I got a remote control Ferrari yesterday. I I'd like to have a real one, you know? Like, you understand? Like, isn't it interesting that when God begins to say, okay, okay, I'm gonna do what you asked me to do. I'm gonna bless you. And the way that he blessed him was simply changing his name. See, we need to understand that in the Jewish context, in a Hebrew world, your name was everything. It was literally your identity, how people saw you. This is why the scriptures are so clear. What is God's heart? You shall not take the Lord God's name in what? I don't want you to, what does he say? He's not worried about us saying the word, by the way. That's not the main context of it. You know what it is? Hey, you bear my name as my people. So don't by your behaviors and action make my name, which means vain, mean emptiness. See the principle? See, God understood the power of a name. That's the purpose of it. You see, this is why God in the scriptures all the time, when he was about to use people in an incredible, he would change their name. Peter, uh, which is simply, me, or, or Simon, you simply God hears. But when Simon was to be the leader of the church, God looked at him, Jesus looked at him and says, you're gonna be, you're gonna be Peter, you're gonna be the rock. Like, because that's who you're gonna be. You're gonna be the leader that changes the world. You're gonna stand up to the masses. You're gonna stand up to Rome and all of the corruption. And you're gonna be the leader that I have called to create and build my church on this earth. So I'm gonna change your name and fitting with the identity that you deserve. This is why when Abraham was given a name, his name was Abram, which means high father. But no, you're not just gonna be high father. You're gonna be Abraham, which means the father of many. Oh, and Sarah, your wife, your name means princess, but I'm gonna change your name from Sarai to Sarah, which means the mother of nations. In other words, your name literally was connected to your destiny, your identity, how you saw yourself and how other people see you. And I love the brilliance of God. Because he looks in at the life of Jacob and he goes, I see some of your problems. See, some of your problem is, is you see yourself like this. And you're living up to your own identity that you have had other people share with you and that you have actually shared with yourself. And by the way, you've even backed it up with your choices. And so the problem that's creating all of these issues is not on the outside, it's on the inside. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna change your identity from Jacob, the grabber of heels, by the way, to Israel, which can mean prince of God or one that turns God's head meaning that every time you, you're crying out in prayer, God's head's gonna be turned to your attention, that there's gonna be this new relationship and it's not gonna be connected to your earthly father. It will now be connected to your heavenly father and your name and your identity will change. In other words, what you get here in this moment, I love this, is the purpose of the battle. So why did God pick the fight? Why did God step in and go, I'm gonna hurt you. I'm gonna create this thing and you just wanna go someplace and I'm your battery all night long. What was the purpose? It wasn't out of anger and pain. It was to change his identity and ultimately change his destiny. That's why he battled with him. That's why he picked a fight with him. In fact, we continue to the end of this and I love how it ends. It says, so Jacob called the place Penal, um, saying it is because I saw God, not a man, face to face and yet my life was spared. See, he understood the power and the majesty of God. The sun rose above him and he passed it out and he was limping because of his hip. He was limping because of his hip. And here's what struck me of this, is that God, hear this, actually physically hurt him. And I want you to understand this, because I want you to, sometimes we have a hard time compartmentalizing things about God. And here's what I want, I want you to say. So God, did, this wasn't just an emotional battle. 
This was not simply a bad dream. This was not something spiritual. I want you to see this. That God reached out of the heavenly realms and actually inflicted real physical pain in his life. And as he's walking away, he was, yeah, he's got a limp. So he's actually been, he's actually been limited in what he can do. He's actually experienced real pain and real suffering. And here's what you see. And God himself inflicted it on him. But here's what's interesting about this. Do you know what happened to Jacob's life after God inflicted the pain on his life? It transformed him. In fact, he awoke from this even with a limp and he began to look at his life and one of the first thing he did is he began to build a temple to God. Hey God, you, you're, you're, you're now my, you're my identity. You're, you're first in my life and I, I'm just gonna worship you and honor you the way you deserve. Not only that, I'm gonna purify my house because in my household some idols had come to pass and some of my family because I didn't raise them the right way when which to search out and look at other gods. And so what I'm gonna do, God, is you want no other gods for you. Like that's not right. So what I'm gonna do is we're gonna purify all of the junk that's in our lives, all the things that would remove your favor, all the things that don't honor you, God, we're going to purify our house. And from that point forward in his life, Jacob's life transformed forever. And God's favor was on everything that he touched and everything that he did. And God blessed him all of his days. But here's what I want you to see. As painful as the limp that Jacob had, as painful as it must have been to have your hip socket literally dislocated, the kind of agony he was in. Can I tell you something? The pain of a hip socket out of joint was far less than the pain Jacob would have experienced if he would have walked the rest of his life normally outside of the will and the purposes and the blessing and the favor of God. And I will guarantee you right now, if you were to ask Jacob, Jacob, was that battle worth it? Was the pain? Yes, it was, because that pain actually led to changing my life and changing me. Now, here's why, here's why I say this. Because I want us to understand this idea of the battles we're going to face with God. And here's what I understand. A lot of us are just like Jacob. See, a, a lot of us have brokenness and dysfunction in our life that we've carried for a very, very long time. And we can hide it sometimes from the, from the public and maybe even like friends, but, but the family sees it and you see it. And maybe it's something spoken into your life when you were young. Maybe it's an ex. Maybe it's some things that you've done in your past that people never let you forget. Whatever it is, there's this dysfunction and brokenness in you. And what you don't realize is you've now carried it like a suitcase into your marriage, maybe even to the second marriage. You've carried it into one business to another business, from one friendship, by the way, from one church to another church. And you, this dysfunction in you that is constantly destroying you in your life. You've been carrying with it over and over and over and over again. And if you ever stop to think that your heavenly Father who loves you so much will actually step into your life and inflict pain in your life, listen to this, not out of anger, but to change you. Look at this first. I want you to see this. Like, I want us to understand, because some of us are in this world, and we're walking this life, and we're like, well, it, you know, like, you know, I, I got all these issues, but I'm not really going to deal with them. It's too painful to deal with them. Can I, can I tell you what's even more painful than dealing with your issues, owning them and confronting them? Look, look at what the scriptures say. God says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's. What's that word? Wait, I thought Jesus just loved everybody. You mean, mean Jesus could, could discipline us? Oh, 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 and, and, and do not lose heart when he, what's that word? he'll correct me? You mean he won't just tell me I'm awesome all the time? He won't give me participation trophies? 
Because why? Because the Lord disciplines the ones he, what's that word? And he chastens, just by the way, I had to look up, punishes is what that means. Everyone he accepts as his son or daughter, his children. And then it gets worse. <laughs> Endure hardships as discipline. You mean trials, tough times at work, tough times financially, tough times your health. For God is treating you what? As his children. For what children are not disciplined by their own father? Have you, have you ever seen a child that their parents don't discipline them? How, how many of you want to hire that child wanted to work for you? How many of you want that child to marry into your family? Right, because we all know that, right? That when children just can do whatever they want and there's no consequence when they're young, well, they don't learn that bad decisions get consequences and good decisions get worse. So they walk into their life and when pain, now all of a sudden they're really dealing with consequence and they're impossible to live with. Why? Because the parents never actually did what God called them to do is say when they see things in their life that are gonna destroy them, they're more concerned about their well-being than their friendship with them. And I love the heart of this because let me tell you something about God. You gotta get this, right? He, he loves you and you're his children. So when he sees something in our lives that we won't deal with, and by the way, listen to this. I have rarely seen someone's life fall apart from one sin because I believe God is graceful and I believe he always will give people the opportunities to repent and, and walk away and stop. But, but what God is, what is said here in the scripture is because God loves you, just like Jacob, when we're walking down the path, we're not dealing with the issues and dysfunction that are messing our lives up, then he's gonna step in and he's gonna step in and he's actually gonna discipline you. Like, listen, <clears throat> for those of you that think, hey, it's okay, I, I don't really need to be focused on, you know, being a good husband or wife or investing in my marriage. I mean, you don't understand. I just, I didn't really get it modeled or I, I don't really like that person the same way. Things aren't really, so I'm not gonna really do what God's called, but God's not gonna punish me. I mean, after all, they're, they're part responsible, so like, I'm okay. Hey, God, like, like, like you know, God, like, listen, um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep, you know, being in this inappropriate relationship, and, you know, it's okay. Like, it's nothing really, really bad, but, God, you're not going to expose that. Like, you'll keep it quiet, right? Because you wouldn't want to have a bad reputation, God. No, no, he will discipline. He, he will reveal. He will expose sin. By the way, we've seen it a lot, by the way, in churches where we've seen pastors um, over and over again, and what they've done in the private gets revealed in the public, and God is far more concerned with the purity of his church, by the way, than letting people get away with things that don't honor him. And what I'm saying is you ever stop to think that God loves that person but steps in and goes, no, I'm, I, I can't reward that behavior. Those of you that don't honor God financially and you think, well, God, you mean God would actually take my business? You mean God would actually make me lose money? You mean God would actually create... God disciplines those he loves. But here's why. I want you to see this. This is what I want us to get as we close this series out. Here's what I want you to get. But God disciplines us. What's that statement? I want you to read it. For our good. See, this is what the story we tell our minds. God disciplines us because he is angry at us. God disciplines us because I am no good and worthless. God disciplines me because I'm a failure. God disciplines me because he rejects me. And I love what the Holy Spirit's saying about our Heavenly Father. No, God disciplines you for your good. Because sometimes pain is the only thing that will make us change. In order that we may, what, share in His holiness, we become like Jesus. See the purpose? See what He's saying? Like, I died for you on the cross. If I wanted, if I wanted to judge you, I would just easily, then I would just create a relationship based upon how you perform. But I, it's not about that. No, I want you to be like Jesus, share in my holiness. And no discipline seemed pleasant at the time. But what's that word right there? 
what? God's going to make things painful in my life? Do you see what I'm trying? Like, you know what I'm getting at? Like, like the limp that Jacob had. But later on, here's what I want you to see. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness in, and peace. I love it. It's not just going to change us and our behaviors. It's going to change the peace in which we experience this world and this life, this relationship with God. And I love thing about a harvest is a harvest is planted with little seeds, but it grows to something so much greater than that. In other words, the pain that God might be, might be intense, but what the pain is gonna produce is so much better. But here is the challenge I wanna end this with, and that's this. For those who have been trained by it, and this is what struck me as I was walking through this. This is how I wanna end all of this. What is, what is God saying? Is that some of you will, will get disciplined by God. You will experience something designed to transform you, but you won't respond in the right way. And all it will be was pain and it won't produce blessing in your life. Other people, God's going to step in your life and you're going to walk through a living hell. You're going to walk through his trials in your life and you're going to allow this discipline and understand it comes from a father that loves me and wants to change me. And then you're going to let God do his thing and you're going to be like Jacob and you're going to walk out of this discipline, out of this battle, maybe with a limp, but you're going to limp into God's favor and God's blessing and God's calling in your life. But that is not dependent on God. Okay, God's doing it for these things. It's dependent on what? for those who have been trained by it, for those who let God do what he's called to do. And so I want to end this series with three quick things. And these are three lessons I want us to learn. When God picks a fight with you, he's trying to do it. There are three things that you need to do in order to be blessed by it, trained by it, transformed by it, and not just destroyed by it. And here's what those three things are. And by the way, these are three lessons I learned in my own life and we see them in Jacob. Here's the first thing we need to do. This is a lesson when he comes in. When trials come our way, take responsibility, don't assign responsibility. See, see, one of the things we look at Jacob's life, we, we don't see like here he is in the wrestling match and, and here the angel of God's got, got Jacob in this just like great hold and, and there he is and he's ready to just like kind of knock the hip out and Jacob's like, whoa, 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 angel of God, just one second. Okay, listen, I, I know you're about to like, you know, hurt me and that, but he's just holding on. Before you injure me, I just wanted you to know, do, and I, I know I did some things, but, but God, did you know what my dad was like? Like my daddy called me, like he named me. Like, you know, I was like growing up in grade school being called the heel grabber. <laughs> like, did you know what it's like when your older brother is like the hero on the, on the cover of Sports Illustrated and Hunter's Magazine and Fishing Magazine and Man's Magazine and Men's Health and here you are in the corner with your man bond sipping tea? In other words, that, that Jacob doesn't sit there and blame his dad and his mom and his brother and God and the circumstances and all the things. He clings to God. God, would you just, would you just give me favor? Would you bless me? Why? Because I need you to change me. I don't need money. You know what I need? I need you to do what my father never did for me, speak the identity into me. I need you to change me. He took responsibility, don't assign. I remember when, when God kind of disciplined me. I was in my early 20s. I've shared this story a lot, so I'll be brief, but um, I, I, I was like, Jacob, I shipwrecked my life. I wasn't who I should be. And, and little by little, God took everything. God, God took a job and I got fired. God took my health. I tore my shoulder and I was playing volleyball on the Bud Light tour. I couldn't even lift my arm up anymore. Um, I, that time I was benching 275 pounds and I couldn't even take my shirt off on my own. That's how bad my injury was. 
Um, when I got fired, my reputation was, was really messed up, even though I didn't do anything necessarily. It just God took that. God took a relationship and friendships. And let me tell you, it was one year of misery. But I can tell you that year transformed my life more than anything in my entire life. Because when I looked in the mirror, I went, these are my choices, God. And I know you love me. See how I see, see your perception of God matters? I know you love me, but I messed up. I made wrong choices. I had wrong values. So God, would you, would, would, would you, it's not dad's fault or mom's fault or the person's fault or the other person's business. It's, I messed up. I didn't honor you. So God, would you change me? See, see the principle? Like if, if you want to be trained, if you want to be blessed by the trials and the brokenness and maybe even the discipline that God's given in your life, here's what, you need to take responsibility. Stop assigning it. Because listen to this. People that blame always stay the same. Because they always point what's going to make them better to somebody else. And they never allow God to actually do what he needs to do in you. And I'm just telling you something. If you've experienced a pattern of bad relationships or difficult jobs, what if it isn't them? And what if, listen, as you hear this most loving, graceful way, because I don't want to beat yourself up. That's not the heart of this. Remember, the heart is God wants to change you. He loves you. He wants to make you better. He wants to take a Jacob and turn him into Israel. That's what he wants to do in your life. But sometimes it starts with taking responsibility and stop assigning it to everyone else. You're an adult now. And it's time to take responsibility. Because only when you look in the mirror and go, okay, God, would you deal with it? That you can actually change what's actually caused this. So you can actually live in a healthy life and healthy relationship and experience the favor and the blessing of God. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing I want you to see. You need to turn from your sin. Don't justify your sin. When you read the story of Jacob, what's interesting is immediately he begins to go on this way and he goes to his household, right? The idols we talked about. All these idols are gone. I'm not only gonna build this altar to God. Everything that doesn't honor you, God, I wanna remove it from my life, from my family, because you are first. What does he do? He turns from his sin. He doesn't justify. Well, dad, I went through a hard time and this is what my family knew. They just came from this culture and so it's part of their culture. So we'll just allow this sin. No, he turned from it. It's called repentance. It's called, there's an issue in your life. Let God in his battle take it out of your life. In fact, I love this verse. Listen to this verse. Um, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out. Sometimes you have to throw off. And let me just challenge you this and this. Some of you, God is knocking on your heart. And the reason you're in this trial is because, listen to this. There's some sin in your life you haven't surrendered to God. Like there's things right now you know you're doing in private that if we knew in public, you'd be ashamed. Of, but somehow in your life, you've justified it. Well, I'm not happy in my marriage or this other relationship. I know it doesn't honor you, God, but you know what, God? It's like, I kind of deserve it because you know, I've been working so hard and they're not working hard. So God, I'm gonna justify the sin. Hey God, I, I know I'm supposed to be generous and give 10% to you. And I know that's like in the script, but God, right now things are tight. And, and one day when I get that promotion, then I'm gonna, we justify it. Hey, I know, well, I, I, I know that church isn't a priority and I should seek your kingdom first. That's what Jesus said and have the Sabbath day every week, but I'm just busy, God. And you don't realize it's a tough phase of life. And, the kids' soccer coaches don't understand and the volleyball coach doesn't understand. And I know what you said, God, but I'm gonna justify my life being out of the boundaries that you called and created it to live. Hey, God, I know I'm supposed to forgive, but I just can't forgive because you know what they did? They don't deserve that forgiveness. So God, I'll obey you, but I'm gonna justify my sin. And I'm just, just challenging you in this. Do, do you wanna be trained by, like if, if you're gonna go through the pain, why not grow from it? 
right? Like I remember in my life when, when I was like everything shipwrecked, I looked at my life and go, I'm gonna change what I watch. I'm gonna change some, take out some relationships. I'm gonna have to write some, back in that day, write letters and apologize to people. I need, to, I, need, I need some phone calls to people to actually confess things. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? So God, here's a, like, I realized if I'm gonna be miserable, I'm gonna go through all of this. I might as well let the pain produce blessing in my life and not bitterness. Like, I might as well learn this one time so God doesn't have to kick my butt a second time because once is enough for me. So, so, so the second thing, we need to turn from our sin, not justify our sin. <clears throat> and the last one is this. We need to run to God, not away from God. What do you see Jacob do? He just clanged the whole time. He didn't interpret the discipline as, God, you don't love me. He didn't interpret it as, God, you're angry at me. He didn't interpret it as, God, I'm worthless and I have no value. No, he says, I'm gonna hold on to you, God, with everything I have and I will not let go until you bless me, which means what? To change the brokenness inside of me. Can I just encourage you? If you're running through a trial, here's how you respond to God's discipline. Take responsibility, don't assign it. Turn from your sin, don't justify it, and run to God, not away from God. And if you will do these things, here's the promise I will make you, but the scripture makes you, which is even more, that's this, is that God will bless you. God will transform you. And God will train you through the pain in your life if you will allow him to do it. Because sometimes the only way we will change is when the pain to stay the same is greater than the pain to change, we will actually go through the steps to change. And your heavenly Father loves you so much. He doesn't want to, by the way. He would love for you just to repent and acknowledge it, but some of us are a little stubborn, and what it takes in our life is that we take the God step in and go, that's it, I'm done, we're going to battle. Here's the pain in your life, and I'm doing this not out of anger and of judgment, I'm doing this because I love you and I want to transform you. But we have to choose how we respond to the discipline of God. Let's pray. Dearly Father, thank you so much for loving me enough for the time stepping in and disciplining me. God, I pray for everyone here that might be in the middle of your discipline or it might be coming soon. God, I pray they interpret and understand the purpose of your, your heart as their father is to step in and make it too painful to live in the dysfunction that has robbed so much of their life and their family. And God, I pray that when this comes, they will, they will turn to you, not away from you. I pray they will, they'll, they'll, they'll just they'll stop justifying, they'll repent. And God, I also pray they'll stop blaming people and just take responsibility. And that they step out of this with a new identity and a new destiny that you have given us. God, thank you for being a father that disciplines us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.